0: You are listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, for service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. I'm not quite sure how I follow that Ross, thank you. I've also got a thing about anybody speaking about rain when I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) How it goes? But this morning, I want to speak to you about how to work a garden. And I know that some of you, I can see them looking at me thinking, what on earth do you know about working a garden? And in fairness, those of you who don't know me so well might be being very kind and thinking, she might know something those of those of you who do know me know it's um, well well do you know what maybe you'll get a surprise so we'll just see. Last week you got tips about where to get ferry tickets cheap this week it's about gardening not quite sure what's happening to the microphone but a few weeks ago now um, David and I spent a lovely afternoon at the Japanese gardens just outside Dollar I had heard quite a lot about them, I heard about people going to see them, and everybody kept coming back and telling me they were quite spectacular, but we had never been. Now I know some of you are keen gardeners, and you grow beautiful flowers, and um, you love your plants and your vegetables, and some of you even grow trees, and I had um, a beautiful red rosy apple from someone's tree the other day. Uh, no I didn't climb the tree and get it myself it was gifted by the owner so you don't need to worry but I have to tell you it was absolutely delicious but when it comes to gardens I just like what I like I've absolutely no idea how you get them to grow the way some of you manage to do it but I love looking at gardens And I know that, as I say that, I'm not really inspiring you that you're going to get too many gardening tips from me this morning, but please just bear with me, I'll get there. So anyway, the opportunity arose for David and I to visit the Japanese gardens because a a friend of mine was needing some architectural advice about a building that she'd inherited from her parents. And I knew someone who maybe just could do that. So I volunteered him and off he went, as I do frequently. Sorry, David. So David met with her and um, they visited the building and he advised her on what was needed to be done. And he came home and said, oh, that was really quite easy. It's sorted. If you know David, that's a common word. It's sorted. So from that, she sent us, or she sent him really, I suppose, but... Um, she sent a voucher for afternoon tea at the Japanese gardens, and it was a voucher for two, so he was very nice and took me. He's quite, he's quite nice like that, um, occasionally. He'll, he'll do things like that, but um, in trying to just explain what David's like and uh I'm I'm bumming it up because he was very kind on that occasion, but I know at the moment he is sitting at the back thinking, she knows nothing about gardens. (laughs) So anyway, back to, um, afternoon tea was good, but it also gave us entry to the gardens. I don't know, have you been to the Japanese gardens, anyone? Oh wow, (laughs) you have Rita. Yeah, they are lovely, aren't they? They're not huge. But they are really beautifully laid out, and it was a really peaceful experience. And yet, there was a lot of people there—quite a good number. Because, crazily, when we don't have to do that, we went on a Saturday. But it was really—it was lovely. It was a lovely space to walk about. It was a lovely space to just sit and ponder. We do like to ponder, Peg, don't we? Um, so, if you've not been it, I would say it was definitely worth a visit. But being at those gardens drew me back to a beautiful garden that we read about in Genesis. And I want to just read that to you. So here's this beautiful garden that we're told about. Starts at verse eight, and I'm going on to 17. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watered the garden flowing from Eden. From there it separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs the east side of, the, of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And I'll stop there. So there's there's a little bit of debate uh, among some biblical scholars. Uh, looking at Genesis 1 and and Genesis 2, and some say that they are two different stories, but actually I I really want to, I really think that the people who say that chapter 2 is an extension of chapter 1 have really got it right. That we're looking in chapter 1 about God making everything, about the, it's almost like a panoramic view of creation. But the verses we have just read just now, they talk about where God took Adam and put him in this beautiful place to live. It's the homely side of creation, if you like. It's in this beautiful garden with all kinds of spectacular fruit trees and food growing, and they can eat, they sorry, he can eat anything he wants from there. Just one proviso, he's not to eat from the tree growing in the center of the garden. God was very, very specific when he told them that if you eat from it, you will die. But everything else was there for him. Now I've read this story, I'm sure it must be literally hundreds of times. But when I, was, when I usually read it, I'm focusing on the two people who are in that garden. And I haven't really spent a lot of time looking at the actual garden and I'm going to confess now that I have until now always thought about God telling Adam and Eve that they weren't to eat from the the tree, I think because it's just been Adam and Eve in the garden um, and and I'm looking at that and thinking well, God told them both and he didn't, he told Adam which really makes an awful lot of sense doesn't it, because Satan comes along and says does God really say, huh? what can I say? Anyway, the Garden of Eden is so amazingly described in Genesis 2. I have to tell you, the Japanese gardens are well worth seeing, but the Garden of Eden is out of this world. God had placed this garden in exactly the right position. And listen, I'm almost frightened to mention the word rain after the last time I spoke, because I spoke on Looking for Rain, and we had that spectacular storm later in the day, finishing our spell of um, sunny days, and let me tell you, people who were here, you did not miss me. I know. Simon, what can I say? Anyway, I want to tell you really good news about this garden at this point. In God's perfection, there was no rain. There was no such thing as rain. It was amazing. The plants and the trees and the flowers, they're all watered from underneath. No rain is mentioned in Genesis until chapter 6. And we know what happens in chapter 6, don't we? And boy, was there rain then. But back to the garden. Adam's there. He's created in God's image and he's given regency over all of creation. But you gardeners who are in here today know that gardens don't just happen. They take a lot of work. They have to be worked. And Eden was absolutely no different. We've just read it. Adam was put in the garden to work. He was to till the land, look after it, and then it would be the perfect place. We'll come back to that thought. Because I found a story of a retired man. You know these retired people who have got nothing to do? Um, Well, there's a retired man living in a city in the US. And he, as he went about every day, he always passed this piece of land that was an absolute mess. It was absolute waste ground. And eventually got so fed up looking at it that he went to the owner and asked if he could make a garden out of this land. So sensible owner said, yes, of course you can. He promised to look after it as well, by the way. Um, so the man set to work and he removed rubbish. He, he dug up the weeds. He visited the tip countless times um, just to get rid of the waste and so that he had space to turn the soil, add nutrients to it, and get it ready for planting. It was such hard work. But the following year, the garden was completely transformed. It was aglow with life and beauty, and everyone stopped to to really look at it and think, this is an amazing place. So one visitor who stopped to admire the flowers and the plants and the landscaping that he'd done remarked, God has certainly given you a beautiful piece of property. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? The gardener replied, yes, he has. But you should have seen it when God had it all to himself. (laughs) Well you know that was a it was a wise comment and I don't think it's really irreverent the the same God who ordains the end of anything in this case a beautiful garden he also he also ordains the means to the end someone to do the work Now we come into the church every Sunday morning and you know It's not set up like this when other people come in. We come in and it's all set up. We choose a seat and we sit down and it's really lovely. But you know, there are people here from very early in the morning who are getting it like this for us. And I'm just putting that wee plug in because I thought it was a good one because we need more people to help. So if God is speaking to you today and saying, this is something I could do, please. Could you see Tom? He's desperate for people to help with that. Just desperate, I know. I didn't know want to say that, but you know. Uh, Because James says in his book, in the New Testament, in chapter 2 and verse 26, he says, faith without works is dead. Now, that doesn't mean that you can work at your salvation. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that works show your salvation. So God took Adam, put him in the garden to work. And, you know... I think sometimes we look at work as being something that we don't really want to do and yet when you're without work what do you spend your time doing looking for work okay so it's it's not something that work isn't something that came out about because there was sin came into the world it isn't a curse it's a way to use our time and our talents and our conversations and all those opportunities to cooperate with God And that doesn't end when you retire. It just gives you new opportunities. It's great. You know, work was always in God's mind for human beings. Sin didn't bring work. Work became a toil when Adam and Eve had to leave the garden when they sinned. Came into Bowness the other day behind a car with a sticker on the back which read, Born to Fish, Forced to Work. Well, (laughs) we know what the driver meant. And when you're working full-time, it can feel like that, I know. But, by the way, we are born to fish. We'll just get that out there. We're born to fish. I'm mixing metaphors, but it was just too too good an opportunity to miss. Sorry. Back to your garden. We have a garden that we are called to work in. Fortunately for me, it's not a physical one. I do have a garden, but also have somebody else who does it, so it's great. Um, But it's not a physical garden that we are all called to work in. But God has put us exactly where he needs us to be to work for him. He's put us among the people we rub shoulders with every day. He's put us with them for a reason. He's a work to do for every one of us to do. And all of us are very different. We all have different abilities, we all have different um, opportunities, but we have those opportunities to bless others and to bless him. We should all be doing something for our community and for the glory of God. Sometimes the smallest things have the biggest impact. Something that you say or you do can make such a difference to somebody you're speaking with. One day we'll have to stand before God, And I want to be able to say with Jesus, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's in John 17 and 4. Eden actually has two meanings. It can either mean delight or it can mean a place of much water. That was coming up from the ground, not down. Okay. This is a paradise made by the hand of God. Adam and Eve got it so wrong when they did what God had expressly told them not to do. I know that they really had no sense of what to die would actually mean. But they chose to disobey God and listen to the serpent. And that brought dire consequences, not only for them, but for us today. But the story of humanity began with such potential in an amazing garden where sin meant um, where sin meant it was closed to everyone. But, but, that's for my husband. He says I missed the T off the end of but, but there you go. <laughs> but I have great news this morning because the story ends um, not in Genesis, in what we've just read, in the closing of the Garden of Eden, but it ends right at the end of this book, in Revelation, the last book in the Bible, in a glorious city where there will be no sin in the new Jerusalem where we find when we read there in chapters uh, 21 and 22 especially chapter 22 verses 1 to 5 you find all these rivers that we've just read they are all there intact God has them in place for us and wants us to know them we have to wait till the end of time but that day will will come read it yourself particularly the chapter 1 to five, it is mind-blowing and will really encourage you because sometimes we look at the Garden of Eden and think this is where sin came in and now we're stuck with it. But we're not because we've got a whole story in the Bible that brings us to Revelation and we have that city there. It's a huge leap though from Genesis chapter one to Revelation 22. And it's only possible because of another garden. Another garden we find in the New Testament. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's not a lot of beauty as we look at the Garden of Gethsemane because it's where we find Jesus the night before he was betrayed and taken to the cross. We find him there wrestling in his humanity because he knows what the cross will cost him, he knows the physical pain and the torment he will endure. Can you imagine knowing that you were going to face that the next day? But even in it all, he still says, not my will, Father, but yours. Because he knew that God dying was the only way to bring us back into relationship. The relationship that got lost in the Garden of Eden, this was the only way to bring it back for all mankind freeing us forever from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of hell, from the bondage of death itself. He left Gethsemane to go to the cross to pay the price of our sin, yours and mine. Imagine, imagine God dying for you. It's unbelievable, but it's true. You know, to gaze upon Christ and the cross is the greatest motivation for Christian service and giving our lives over to God. When you really catch sight of the God-man Jesus, you cannot help but fall in love with him. When I think of what he's done for me, the guilty one, can you wonder why it is I love him? So ask anyone in here who knows him. Jesus is a life changer, brings us into contact with God as our Father, a Father who loves us. We've heard that this morning already. A God who loves us. So think of three gardens because they all affect you. The perfect one in Genesis until sin came in and people lost relationship with God. Think of Gethsemane. God bringing opportunity for that relationship to be restored through his death on a cross. And think about the garden in the New Jerusalem, a place where there will never be sin again. No temptation, nothing that will take your eyes off Jesus when time is wrapped up forever. So how does that affect you and me today? What is God saying to us about working our garden? Well, we're here to work our garden. No one's saying it's easy. But it's what God is telling us that we have to do. Our garden is just where he placed us. For most of that, most of us here, we live in Boness. This is where we we are. But you all church in Boness, which is fantastic. And Boness is such a it's I'm a Bonessean through and through. It's an amazing place. I love Boness. But do you know what? God loves Bones even more than I do, a lot more than I do. He loves the people here, and he wants to show the whole of Bones what he has done for them. And you know the only way he can do it? Through you and through me. No other way he has to show. So what are you doing to bless your community? What are you doing for God now, I look as if I'm pointing finger at everybody. What are you doing? What are you doing? But actually, do you know when you point one finger at somebody else, the other three are pointing right back at me. So I'm not speaking just to you. I'm speaking to, to myself as, as, as well. What am I doing to save the lost? Not everyone's an evangelist, but we've all got something that God has done for us that we can just tell others. Yeah, yeah. There's loads of opportunities up here. Even the shyest of us can give back to God by telling people what he's done. We used to talk about gossiping the gospel. Well, we know what that is. We sometimes like a good gossip, don't we? I know we're told not to gossip, but we do like a good gossip, so let's gossip the right things. Let's gossip the gospel. You know how that works. How do you need to, what do you need to do to work your garden? Make your life show Jesus in all you do. You'll be amazed at how people notice. Find little ways to show that he's alive. And changing you to be more like him. Be a good neighbor. Just look for those needing a helping hand. I was in um, Grange School on Friday doing assembly. I, I'm really blessed by that school. Um, you know, they have food bank Friday every, every week and the parents all bring things. And then on Friday, it was their harvest assembly. So my car is still laden with what they brought. But I was telling them the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. So in the middle of the drought, remember, she has her sticks that she's gathering. She's going to light a fire. And all she has left is this tiny little bit of flour a little bit of oil, she's going to bake a a, a bread cake for her and her son, and then she's just going to wait to die. And, And Elijah comes along and asks her for a piece of bread. She says, that's all I've got. I haven't got anything else. I've no bread. And he says, well, before you do anything else, bake that bread and give it to me. And it's amazing. She does it. And because she does it, God multiplied that flour. The flour and the oil never ran out until the drought had ended. Do you know what I love about that story is she gave the little she had. That's all God is asking for us, from us. He's not asking us to do big, amazing things. Well, he might, but you know, I'm not talking about It's the small things that he asks us to do. But if you do it, you'll prove that God can be trusted because he is always faithful so let me just end with this what are you doing for bonus for god his purpose is that you work the garden where he's placed you that's how to work a garden is that we just hand it all over to him give it to him and listen to what he's saying to us isn't it great that we're all in this garden together we're not on our own we're in it together it's such a wonderful thing to come in here on a sunday not just to praise god but to be with you praising god because we see his power at work we see what he's doing in each other's lives so we have a job to do those of us who know jesus as savior and lord we're in this garden together we're doing what he's asking us to do if you're here though and you don't yet know this Jesus, please reach out to him. He's just waiting for the invite. There's so many here who are willing to help you. Just do that. So come and let us pray for you. He gave his all for you. You have so much potential to work this garden. He needs you. But you know what? More than that, even if you don't fully realize it just now, you need jesus let's pray